Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Paul Eggert, Chief Executive of Vestigium Services, which works with financial services organizations to locate the current whereabouts of customers who have become gone away through change of circumstance. Paul, hello. Hello. Um, good morning, uh, Matthew. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program today. <laughs> now, normally we'd head straight over to the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, let's start there. How has this affected mm. your organization? Well, we've proven that uh, our business interruption plan, if you like, works very well. And we were actually ready for uh, lockdown before it happened. Uh, all our staff have encrypted PCs because of the nature of what we do with data. And they're all working from home. And we haven't really noticed any uh, loss of productivity. Um, keep an eye on them, though, um, on, the, on, on, the, on the staff in terms of mental well-being. But all's well so far. And where do you see the future of uh, your office when you eventually do return to it? Well, I think it will be a, a mixed bag. We're looking at that now in terms of uh, probably uh, rotational, where people work from the office and work from home um, on, an, on a rotating basis. I'd like everyone in our office to see everyone else at least once a month. I think that's good for their mental health. But I think in terms of if you like purely on a business side, we could, you know, working remotely has worked for us. Um, just a bit of background on us. We work with um, caring financial services organizations who want to re-engage, who actually generally want to find gone away customers who have moved or have died, in which case it's the next of kin. And we're kind of a combination of digital where we're looking at all sorts of databases, which we can do remotely. But we're also... Uh, you know, we have a real person behind behind the research, a re, real researcher who is creating a thread uh, forensically because people may have moved house a few times or married a few times too within the period that we've been you know, that they've gone missing. So, and we work to a 99% degree of accuracy right first time. So, which is what our clients like. And our clients during COVID have just. Um, continue to give us data, you know, um, customers that they want researched. And uh, from that point of view, it's all gone well or going well. Now, unfortunately, uh, this has been a very difficult time for quite a lot of people. Mm. Uh, but each week on the podcast, we like to touch on a topical uh, subject. And this week, uh, it is precisely that uh, we're trying to find the silver lining to what has been an enormously dark and dense cloud. Uh, so can you tell us about any positives you or the organization have managed to take for the past few months? Yes, I think the positive is that what I'm, I'm seeing out there in my marketplace, which is financial services, a real now desire to get in touch with um, customers and to uh, not lose track with customers and to, uh, you know, uh, re-engage with those customers. That would be a benefit. I, I think we see ourselves as part of the UK recovery plan. We, we're a benefit to the financial services organizations, to the consumers who uh, undoubtedly are getting the good news that there are assets out there that belong to them that they didn't know about, and the tax man who will take his, his pay. So 
Um, but the main thing is I think our clients, our caring clients are actually saying this is a good thing to be doing and it's the kind of thing we should be doing given the state of the economy and given where, where we are with COVID. Now, of course, we're here to discuss the concept of leadership, uh, so we should move on to that subject. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Well, a leader means to me someone who's a bit, uh, who leads from the front, who, who actually uh, maybe not isn't necessarily charismatic, but someone that, that actually garners uh, a group of people and himself together to actually make a difference. And uh, I really, I'm not the best person to ask about leadership. Um, I guess that would be better to ask some of the members of my, my own team. But where I start from is that we've got a good idea. Uh, and it's a good idea with, with a huge consumer benefit and, and benefit for the country. And I think it's easy to get followers as a leader if you're starting from the premise that what you're doing is a good thing. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think what I lack in, in charisma, uh, charisma, I probably make up for an enthusiasm and passion for what we're doing. And uh, I've got a, uh, a team together with that sort of like-minded passion. And really the leadership role there is simply to garner my passion and their passion and um, to make it work. Now, of course, everyone has different styles of leadership. What would you describe your day-to-day leadership style as? Oh, leading from the front, I think. Uh, you know, uh, as opposed to, uh, yeah, no, very much, very much um, taking my enthusiasm and drive and sort of and garnering the enthusiasm of others to, to be likewise like me. Now, let's talk a bit about where your leadership style developed from. Did you have any particular role model who shaped you, or were you more shaped by circumstance? Uh, oh, that's a. I, I hadn't actually given that much thought. Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I, I work with some terrific people uh, who, who have been um, instrumental in sort of creating me, if you like, from the business persona as opposed to the individual. Uh, and that's been terrific. But, uh, but, you know, also, you know, I look to sports teams as well and, uh, and see what makes a good leader and a captain there. And, you know, I'm quite interested in the, in the subject myself. But it's very difficult for me to um, to anal- analyze myself. I think that's the hardest thing. <laughs> I think, um, yes. Now, uh, let's talk a bit about uh, when things get a bit uncomfortable in leadership uh, conflict. How do you resolve it? Uh the ideal way to resolve these things is, is, is through open communication. Uh, COVID has, makes that a little bit more difficult, although you know some people are better at Zoom than others. Uh, truthfully, I, I'm getting used to it, um, but uh, I prefer a sort of very much uh, face-to-face com- conversations. It has been my leadership style pre-COVID. Uh, and most conflicts minor conflicts can can be sort of that can be resolved with a good old heart to heart truthfully where both sides express their opinion and uh, we come to a conclusion i think conclusions actually almost 
themselves if you're open. Now, when we talk about leadership, there are many different examples to follow. So if you were to speak to a young person today and they were to ask mm-hmm. you who was a good leader in business to look up to, uh, what sort of names would you be mentioning? Uh, a good leader in, in business? Yes. Um, I would probably avoid the subject and I would, I would probably <laughs> find it. <laughs> I'd probably find it and I would certainly find the same in politics at the moment. I, I would probably be looking for sports teams uh, uh-huh. to find people that the young can relate to, uh, as opposed to uh, it's the business. So if you're really talking about, the, yes, I will leave it at that. Of course. <laughs> well, unfortunately, our time together is uh, running short. Uh, but before I let you go, what does the next twelve months have in store for Vestigium Services? Well, we, we're looking forward to the next 12 months, to be honest, um, and we're looking forward to being able to sort of uh, do more work for the financial services organizations, grow out and grow our business and become a real, you know, leader, if you like, in, in, the, in this field of uh, forensic tracing and get the message across, truthfully, that this is what financial services companies should be doing. So to be in touch with their customers, to meet, um, you know, treating customers fairly under FCA regulation. And and the benefits are huge for them as well, for them with uh, brand and reputation. I'm a bit of a sort of evangelist for uh, a, a new world for financial services. Um, and I'm very excited about where we are and where we can be in the next 12 months. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you on the program today. And, of course, we'll have to have you back on the show at some point in the future. But for now, thank you. My pleasure. That was Paul Ackett, Chief Executive of Vestigium Services. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, And perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? (laughs) Well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? 
Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron, uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was in terms of inspiring confidence I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me I guess would be the captain Bob Moore although he was only uh, about eight months older than me he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it would be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that 
era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people... And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, if you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alpha, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time And is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply Yes I think for, for me certainly um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing... Um, only a few games before I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I him showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into him because of a a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Gray's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, Jeff, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind 
that, that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke make a joke about that and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by 
hook by crook, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke. And of course, in, uh, England fans who, um, I, I think probably yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe. Uh, it has a uh, helpful effect, uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch, is, people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at. Um, uh, Football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a leader and at the moment is. Is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool? Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. Is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence, these unbelievable results. There are, you know. And the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely. Astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back 
through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and single mind and dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. 
This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.